we have a wonderful guest speaker tonight. Not really guest, she's kind of been with us from the very beginning. Uh, Lindsay Welch. <laughs> Married to Kevin, mother of three. Phenomenal discipler. She found Jesus in Chi Alpha many moons ago. And uh, the Lord is going to, I don't know, I'm just making it up as I go. And uh, just an incredible amount of respect for her. And I hope that you guys pay attention because she has, I feel like you're pushing me out of the way. Yeah, get out of here. All right. Just kidding. Really, really grateful. Um, she has an incredible amount of wisdom, and the Lord has used her significantly. Thank you, Lindsay. Hey, thanks. Um, you guys are so chatty. It's like you're already friends. So I'm actually talking about friendship, but I'm not sure it's necessary because of the amount that you guys just, now you're all quiet, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> okay, uh, last week, Kevin shared about friendship with God, and he kind of weaved his story in through that. Was that me, or was that outside? Oh, okay. Uh, um, he kind of weaved his own personal story through that, so tonight I'm going to start by telling you part of my story um, and kind of how I ended up here. So like Kevin, I got all moved into my college dorm, and I had no friends and nothing to do, and after getting all of my step stuff up the four flights of stairs, I lived on the top floor of this dorm, um, I sat down on this really nice sky blue plastic prison manufactured because I went to college in a town that had eight prisons prison manufactured and it says it on the tag I sat down no friends nothing to do and I just started crying like what the heck I just moved away from everything that was familiar to me and I anyways so I'm sitting here crying and my phone starts buzzing and I look down, and I'm like, oh, my mom, she's probably checking in on me. No, it was this guy. His name was John Paul, and he was like, hey, I heard you're coming to Sam Houston. Did you get moved in? And I was like, John Paul? I was like, who, who is that again? How did he get my number? Did I put it on my MySpace? Like, what's, <laughs> that was, that was yeah. the thing in college. So anyways, uh, he actually graduated with my sister. I'm from a really small town, and he graduated with my sister two years earlier than me, and somehow in that whole thing got my number. And he was like, hey, my friends are playing sand volleyball tonight. Um, would love for you to come if you have nothing to do. I had nothing to do. So um, also, side note, the only other person in this whole town, I'm going to speak with my hands a lot because I don't have to hold a mic. So, okay, sorry. Um, the only other person in this town that I went to school in that had my actual phone number was this frat guy that moved me in like two hours earlier, and he was like asking me to go to Chili's with him. And thank the Lord that John Paul texted me first. <laughs> Because I ended up going, I can't say no to sand volleyball. I played volleyball all throughout high school. I love it. So I go to play sand volleyball, and I get there. I, have, I, I don't know anyone except for him, barely. And he introduced me to his friend, Ashley. And Ashley got my phone number, and then she wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. So basically, she, entered, she 
she just was a friend to me, and then she invited me to small group, and she introduced me to her small group leader, who also got my number and wouldn't leave me alone, and they <laughs> love the literal crap out of me, so um, they brought me to small group, introduced me to relationship with Jesus, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was like 8, 19, so basically, boom, 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 here I am today, said yes to the Lord, just keep saying yes to the Lord. So stories are important, right? We all have an original story, and that's how we get to know each other, by sharing our stories. So when, you, when I tell my story, when you tell your story, it's not just the snippets and the snapshots that we, give, we get off social media, right? This is like the real you. This doesn't just inform us, but our stories form us, right? And so I just opened up a possible door to friendship with you, right? Through my story. Same with yours. Why do I care about friendship? Why is friendship so important? Why is sharing our stories and becoming friends so important? Because I believe that we cannot experience the fullness of God's character and his love outside a community of friends. God reveals himself, right? He reveals himself through scripture. He reveals himself through prayer. He reveals himself through worship, through spending time with him. But there are so many aspects of God's nature that can only be revealed in this, in this community, in, or, or as the Bible calls it, in this body of Christ. So the, script, the picture that scripture paints for us about being a body of Christ is one example of how we are all equally unique, right? We all have our own original story. We all bring something a little different to the table, but we're dependent upon each other, right? Because my legs can't go where they can't see, or no, I'm sorry, my eyes can't go where my legs aren't there. Does that make sense? Because they're, they're, sorry, that was a terrible analogy, but <laughs> you get the point. We can't move forward without the legs and the eyes, and everyone has a part to play in this. So if we already know we need each other, why not just be friends, right? Why not like each other in the process? So this, what you're sitting in right now, this is not just a student club. This is not just an organization, but we are friends who choose to love God and choose to love each other without reserve. That's what this is. Friendship is one of the few human needs that has spanned all time, all culture, all language. But why is it that finding friendship isn't always easy? You know, it's like something to be sought after, but maybe few have experienced it. I know, like, until I got to college, I actually didn't have a lot of friends, a lot of true, lasting friends. So scripture does tell us that you reap what you sow. So if you want great friendships, then you have to... A+. plus. Be a great friend. You have to be a great friend, right? If you want great friendships, you have to be a great friend. So we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible about a friendship and identify some of those key ingredients to real friendship. So the story is unique, right? It's original to them, but we're going to take some pointers from it. So we're going to talk tonight about the friendship between Peter and Jesus. Um, we're going to look at a few key moments in, in their life and in their relationship to identify these ingredients, is what we're going to call them, to friendship. So let's start 
when Jesus first meets Peter. This is in John 1, 40 through 42. Um, we got it up here if you don't have your Bible, but if you do, follow along. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said, then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at, at Simon. Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which also means Peter. So here's a picture. We're beside the Jordan River, and Peter's brother, Andrew, goes and gets him. And he's like, oh my gosh, you have to come meet Jesus. I met the Messiah. So he brings him to him. He's dragging Peter out. Peter gets up to Jesus. Sup, Jesus. My name's Jesus. I mean, my name's Peter. <laughs> and he's like, like, can you imagine if I was to like meet any one of you that I haven't met and just look intently at you? That would be a little bit weird. What's your name? Zach, that would be a little bit weird, right? If I like stared into your soul. But this is what it <laughs> but that's what it says that Jesus did. It says he looked intently at Simon with a deep, penetrating gaze, and he gave him a new name. So the name Cephas in Aramaic actually means rock. So he calls him Peter, or the rock. Can you smell what the rock's cooking? That's what I just thought. <laughs> what is that, wrestling? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm sorry, sidetracked. But now he was only Simon this rash, and it, as we'll get to know Simon a little bit more, but he's this rash, impulsive, self-confident, and anybody like that is very weak and unstable. You don't know what they're going to do at any moment's time, right? And he looks at him and says, I'm going to call you Rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to call you strong and firm and steady and unmoving. So our first key ingredient of, of, of friendship is calling out the truth. Jesus saw something in Peter that no one else saw. If we had all met Peter that day, we'd be like, oh, here comes Peter. He's probably going to call me out for something or just be blunt and honest. And Jesus says, I'm going to call you rock. So later on in Matthew, Jesus goes on to elaborate the meaning of his name in Matthew 16, 18, he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter, you are strong enough that when hell comes towards you, it won't be conquered. Does that make sense? The key ingredient, this key ingredient of friendship is finding the parts of the other person that are going to span time. They're going to outlast struggle. They're going to cover all the ups and downs of life and calling it out. Don't you wish you had a friend to just call out the truth in you? I think sometimes when we see, like, people, we identify them quickly by what we see right there. You know, like, it's like the, the cover on a book, right? Jesus looked past that, and he said, no, I, I'm going to call you something that you can't even imagine. You can't see in yourself yet. I, I need friends like that. I want you guys to be friends like that. When I was, like, thinking about this, I was like, who, who's that friend in my life? And I have a lot of friends that will call out truth, but this, this, 
anyways, but I thought about my mom because the older I got, the more I valued a relationship with her. And just a word of wisdom, ask your parents about their stories. Ask your grandparents about their stories. You know? And as I learned who my mom was and I let her learn me, she started calling out the truth in me. So I, my parents live in Texas. We live 4,000 miles away from them. Every time they come to visit, we all cry at the airport when they leave. But my mom always looks at me and she says, I know this is where God's called you. And it always is like, this hurts you as much as it does me, but you're still calling out the truth in that. And I, that's what a real friend does. So first key ingredient, friendship is calling out the truth in someone else's life, even when no one else sees it. Okay, we're going to keep going in this story of Peter and Jesus' friendship. So the next stop is in Luke 4, 37 through 40. The news spread about Jesus through every village in the entire region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went into Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begs. begged. Standing, standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. <laughs> what a good grandma. <laughs> As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus, no matter what their diseases were. The touch of his hand healed everyone. So again, the scene here is Jesus is in Capernaum. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's preaching, just doing the things that he does. And he takes a break to go into Peter's home, where his mother-in-law is, and sees her sick and heals her. I, I know that Jesus knew that she was already sick. Like, I know that he knew that. You know why? Because he probably listened to Peter say it. He probably looked at Peter plenty of times, and there was conversations where Peter was like, oh, my, mo my, my mother-in-law is sick. It's really, it's really hurting my, my wife. There were probably conversations where Peter thought, I, I need to go back, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go back home and take care of my mother-in-law. What I see here as the next key ingredient is being sensitive to the needs of our friends. That's it. Really simple, but it, you know what it takes? It takes what I call active listening. So I'm really bad about this. And I sometimes listen, waiting for my turn to, like, hop into the conversation or, like, oh, I, I have something to say. Because I like to talk, and I'm an extrovert, and I just like conversation. But active listening is, t is, is sitting back. You're using empathy. You're using compassion. You're allowing that other person to talk about what's heavy on their hearts. And I'm so certain that that's what Jesus did here. He developed this skill of active listening. He developed this skill of being sensitive to the needs of others. Because some of us are not good at it, right? That we're not, like, great at this. It's a developed skill, okay? I'm not, call, I'm not like, calling anyone out or trying to make you feel bad because it's not something that's unachievable for all of us. You know that funny saying I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's like God gave us two ears but only one mouth. It like is a real convicting truth because sometimes we get so self-focused or we get like ready to say what we want to say. We're ready to take the mic. So 
what I'm asking you to do is in, in your friendships, practice more listening. Practice being more sensitive to the needs of others. I, I okay, so in this, uh, in this like part of scripture, I included like 37 and 40 so that you could see, because 37 says the news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. So he's famous. He's getting, he's getting more well-known. And then it, it ends with, as the sun went down, people were bringing more and more sick people to him. Jesus took a break from the masses, from ministry to all of these people to go into this one home and heal Peter's mother-in-law. He was sensitive to the needs of his friend. Let us all be better at hearing what you're saying, at seeing what you're struggling with, and finding a way to meet the need. Cool? Okay, we're going to keep rolling with their friendship, and the next chapter is Luke 5. This is our next stop in their story, Luke 5, 4 through 11. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied, Simon, do not, don't be afraid. For now, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. My favorite part of this story is when Peter comes back to Jesus saying, Oh, you are right. <laughs> Please forgive me. And, then you, and you know what? Jesus doesn't stand to condemn, condemn him. Or he doesn't say, I told you so. The next key ingredient I see here is friendships with honesty for accountability. In this story, we see Peter thinking he knows what's best, but then realizing he doesn't know what's best. And he's being honest about his mistakes. And Jesus follows it up by not making him feel bad, right? He's not like, yeah, Peter, well, I told you so. Next time you'll listen to me because you suck and you don't listen. Right? He doesn't say that. But he says, you know what? You're not going to fish for fish anymore. We're going fishing for people. He says, I, he, I mean, I think he like says like, yeah, okay, I forgive you. We're going out. He looks ahead. We need that type of honesty in our friendships, the kind of honesty that isn't just a confession or like, oh, I just have to get this off my chest. But there's a goal to grow, Right? When I talk about accountability, I mean the kind that is a voluntary decision to walk together in life toward a specific goal. And that goal is growing and maturing in our relationship with God. I think some of us don't ask for accountability because we're too prideful, like Peter. We're like, 
I'm not going to share my struggle because, well, one, that would make me look really bad, and I think I know what's best for my life, right? It's pride. Or we don't share our struggle because we're afraid people might take authority over us, and we didn't want them, we want to be the boss of our own lives. Pride. Don't let pride get in the way of talking to someone or actually listening to someone tell you about what they're struggling with. We all need accountability because no one is perfect, right? So we got to humble ourselves and we got to ask for it. Even if you're like, I'm more mature than them, they should be asking me for accountability. No. We are the body, right? We're the body of Christ. We all have a unique part to play. A key ingredient to friendship is honesty for accountability. It is an opportunity for friends to walk together through tough circumstances, knowing that we are not in the fight alone. I love that. It's not about who is more mature than someone else. It's about, hey, you're not in this alone. I'm not in this alone. I got baggage to carry. You want to help me? (laughs) And you want to help me grow, right? Because we're not going to stay there. Our last and final stop in this story of Peter's friendship with Jesus comes from John 21, 12 through 17. This is a, a good one. Okay, he says, now come and have breakfast, Jesus said. Wouldn't you just love Jesus to show up and be like, come and have breakfast? There's nothing like I'd rather do than share some bacon with Jesus. Although I'm not really sure that's kosher, so I just... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe like some pancakes. Um, Okay. John 21, 12 through 17. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread. Okay, we'd be having bread and fish. He served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, I'm sure he did that deep, intent looking gaze, and he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that, I I would be too, that hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So to preface this story even a little bit more, after Jesus dies, Peter denies knowing Jesus and being associated with him, not once, but three times. He says, nah, I don't know Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Not one time, but three times. What a great friend, right? So this conversation actually is taking place after Peter's denial. And we see forgiveness with a purpose laid out. Okay, that's, my ne- that's our next key ingredient. Forgiveness with a purpose. Forgiveness of those who are closest to us is so stinking hard, right? It's harder to forgive someone 
that you have more invested with. We say it this way, that grief is proportional to intimacy. The more you're invested, the deeper it cuts, right? So how do we see Jesus forgiving his friend right here? We're going to take a look at the actual meaning of these words in Greek to, to grasp what forgiveness with the purpose is. So the first time he asked, Jesus says, do you agape me? That is the Greek word for love that he uses. It means God's type of love, the deepest kind of love, the most unselfish. He says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answers with, Lord, you know I phileo you. So he says, you know I love you. And the form of love that he uses is phileo, which is man's love. You know Philadelphia? This is phileo. It's brotherly love. Peter says, Lord, you know that I brotherly love you. He doesn't answer back with agape because he knows he just denied Jesus three times. He says, Jesus, you know I'm incapable of that unselfish type of love. You just saw what I did. And you know what Jesus replies to him? So he says, do you agape me? I phileo you. Jesus says, then bosco, my sheep, tend my sheep. The Greek word bosco is the word used for hired people to tend the sheep. So he's saying, do you agape me? Do you love me unselfishly? Peter's saying, no, I, I can't. I can't. You already seen what I did. I phileo you, though. And he's saying, bosco, my sheep which means, like, you still have a job. I'm still employing you. You still have a purpose, okay? You get, what, you get where this is going? Okay, so he says, you still have a purpose. So then we see it again. He says, do you agape me? Oh, yes, I, like, I phileo you, okay? And same thing, he says, he says this, the same form of the word is used, bosco, my sheep. And then a third time, he says, do you phileo me? I, I, anyways, he goes back and forth, or it's the second time, sorry. He says um, this word ca called poimeno, which means it's the Greek word used for family members or owners to shepherd or to, like, keep the sheep. So the interpretation here is he said, you still have a job. You're still a part of my family. You hear that? He forgave him with a purpose, not just, I forgive you, let's move on, whatever. Like, let's just forget about it. The further we get away from the incident, the more I'll forgive you, Peter. He's, no, no, Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I agape you. I love you unselfishly. I've still called you. You still have purpose, and you're my brother. You're still part of this family. That's so good. The reason he asked him three times is so that Peter has a chance not to deny him, but to say, I love you three times. How many times have we given people that much forgiveness? How many times have we al allowed them to just like, or, or even express that much forgiveness? He wasn't making light of the wrong that was done by Peter. And we don't have to agree with every choice that our friends make, but we can affirm our friendship with them by letting them know that there is nothing you have done or will do that will make me stop loving you, right? I can disagree with your actions and still love you as a person, as a friend. 
Jesus is reminding Peter that he loves him and has called him even after his denial, and that is forgiveness with a purpose. The purpose being that we are going to move forward together, that this relationship isn't severed, I'm here for you. Cool? That's the fourth ingredient. I um, spent a lot of time asking the Lord for, like, real-life stories because I feel like I have been where you are, and I'm still there. Like, I'm still learning. But specifically got saved, sat in a Chi Alpha for five years, and listened to sermons and grew with the Lord. So I, I just was like, Lord, there has to be something from my life that you can use to relate. And the story of having this conversation with an old best friend kept coming to mind, and I was like, really, I don't see much there, Lord, so I don't really know what you're talking about there. But so I tried to dismiss it and think of like other parts of my life, of my timeline of life. But this story in this specific instance in this Mexican restaurant kept coming back up. So I was like, all right, let's just uh, type this out and see where it goes. So I'm going to tell you how it goes. When I was a baby Christian, just gave my life to Jesus, was just excited about whatever God was going to ask me to do. I um, had gone back home for Christmas or something, and I had this friend who I thought was my best friend in high school, but over the course of the, f the like first few months of college, I hadn't even talked to her but maybe one time. And kind of out of obligation, I was like, maybe I should meet up with her and hang out and see what's going on because we haven't talked very much. So I probably texted her and I asked her, we had this restaurant in our, home t in our hometown called Mas Amigos, which means more friends in Spanish. I think if you have a, yeah. So it's called Mas Amigos. And I was like, let's meet at Mas Amigos for, you know, lunch or whatever. And she's like, okay, sure. So we get there and we sit down and I realized there was nothing to talk about. But there was something between us that wasn't resolved. Our lives weren't headed in the same direction anymore. And everything that our relationship had been based on, this like buzz of alcohol, the attention from guys, the competition and wearing the latest like trends, everything, every part of our friendship, like all of those things that we base them on, when, when put in the light of a relationship with Jesus, hadn't stood the test of time, right? We had never called each other to truth. <laughs> we definitely were never sensitive to each other's needs. God bless America. It is scary to think about how much I probably hurt her, thinking that I, I never practiced forgiveness with a purpose or honesty for accountability. Our friendship, the thing that we felt between us was that our friendship was stuck in the place that it had started, and there was, there was no moving forward from there. So I'm typing this out, and I'm like, wow, this is a terrible story. Like, what am I going to say? And the Lord was like, you should send her a message. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even have her phone number. Like, this is the scariest thing you could ask me to do. I don't even know if she likes me. Like, from that one lunch, we kind of just walked out and decided we have nothing in common anymore. 
So I get on Facebook Messenger, and I was like, hey, girl. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to give me what's next, because I don't really know what to say. This is while I'm writing this story out. Hey, girl, um, thanks for being, I'm not even kidding you. I had to ask God to tell me what to say. Thanks for being a great friend to me. God, she wasn't really a great friend to me. Write it anyways. Thanks for being a great friend to me. Um, I just wanted you to know that if we were friends now, I think you would be a, I think I would be a better friend to you because, because I would. So <laughs> let me just read it. I said, uh, this is like really personal. I'm reading a personal conversation. You're welcome to my life. <laughs> I said, just thinking about you today, thanks for being my friend in high school. I wish sometimes I could do that over and be a better friend to you. I know this is random, but I was prepping a sermon about friendship and thinking back on those high school days. Hope you're having a good day. I was like, send. <laughs> then I was like, is she going to, you know, because you can see when people see it. And I was like, does she even use Facebook? Like, or like, why, what's going to happen? Two hours later, I get this. You know, she says, Chloe, which is her daughter. You know, Chloe is at that age where she's crushing on boys and all the things. We had a little talk about that the other day, about how she shouldn't worry about boys now or in high school, how she will never have her whole life, how she will have her whole life to be in a serious relationship. It brought me back to when I might have not been exactly nice to you when you and this boy that I was dating were serious in high school, and I didn't understand why you wouldn't hang out with us anymore. <laughs> Lord, she said, Gah. I instantly felt like an a-hole. <laughs> I was like, God, thank you for her honesty. <laughs> she said, so I am sorry about that. You live and you learn. Then she goes on to say, I ran into your brother in Walmart, and he gave me a big, the biggest hug. I told him how proud of him I was at who he was becoming, and it totally warmed my heart. I hope you and your crew are doing well and feeling super blessed. Sending you the biggest hugs all the way back home from LCO, which is Liberty County. I, like, didn't even know how to respond, you know? Without eternity in mind, our friendship can't move forward in any of these ways. That last slide I have, Tyler, lasting friendships have to be built on the things that last. That's it. I came up with that by myself. <laughs> but I don't think it's that clever. Like, I think any one of you could have said that. But it's so true. It's so deep. You know what last, what we, what her and I realized that lasted was just like just saying we're sorry, forgiveness with a purpose, and moving on. I have such a deep desire for you guys to have these sorts of friendships with each other, with the Lord first, and with each other. So we're going to, hey, Kev, you got some music? Thanks. Um, 
We're going to end tonight by taking a few moments to just kind of process what I, what, we just, what I just talked about. I think, like, it's, sometimes it's easy just to get up and leave this room and kind of forget or kind of think, oh, yeah, I should work on being sensitive to others. But I want us to take a few minutes right here or with the person next to you because it's, it's good. Like, get a journal out, write some thoughts down. But it's also good to process with someone next to you. If I said something that is just kind of weighing on your heart and you want to talk to someone about it, turn to those people next to you and talk. Or if I said something and you're like, wow, I need to really seek the Lord on that, just start praying. He'll, he's here. He'll answer you. Maybe you've been hurt in a friendship and you haven't moved past it. Maybe you need to send a message to an old friend and just say, even if it wasn't your fault, just say, thanks for being my friend. You know what I'm saying? So I want you to take a few minutes tonight to sit and to soak and to process this. Um, yeah, maybe in this last question, I don't know if you guys know, but we have three kids, six, three, and one. And I asked my six-year-old daughter, I was like, what's a question that you think we should ask? And she said, what do I need to become a better friend? So if you have nothing else to think about tonight, ask the Lord, what do I need to become a better friend? Thank you, Jesus, for friendship, for loving us, and for offering your friendship to us, a relationship to walk with you. And God, I pray that if anyone in this room doesn't know what that is, God, I pray that they would just ask you and that you would show up, that you would reveal to them who you are in the relationship that you have want to have with them. And God, I pray for the rest of my friends in here that are walking with you, learning to walk with you, figuring it out, or um, just growing in their walk with you. God, would you teach us how to be a good friend to others, the type of friends that forgive, that hold each other accountable, that lift each other up, and that call out truth in each other. Lord, would you help us to do that this week? Would there literally be an impact made on campus this week because of friendship? We pray that in, in your son's name, Lord, let my friends have a good night and be safe. Keep them, bless them, show them that you love them, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, if you want to hang out for your outside, there might be still people want to have conversations. Cool. Love you guys.